From Bureaucracy's Basement to your ears, this is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Each week, the dedicated staff of the Bureau meet to make recommendations, file reports, and generally survive on water that drips from the boiler pipes into their open mouths as they sleep on a bed of dot matrix printer paper in the supply closet. One day, maybe, we'll escape from the subterranean hell that is the City Hall basement, but until that day comes, the city is not going to improve itself, so here we remain. Vigilant. This meeting is now in session. Hello. Greetings. Happy social distancing. Happy. So, uh, you have to forgive me. Um, I'm here behind these boxes. Uh, I've figured out a way that we can uh, escape the uh, sub-basement. Oh, what's that? We're going to build our way out of it. Smart. Build, 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 infrastructure, a sporting arena, just enough enough that we can actually that'll push us out, you know, get us up close to the ceiling and then we can get through a vent. That is some next level thinking. We can't fail no. with a brain like yours. No, you know, paying attention to a brain like mine is what got us here in the first place. Kind of true. But hey, uh, do you want to do, do a meeting while you uh, do your building? Oh, sure. Yeah. Can you, can you multitask? I can multitask. Um, just okay. Yeah, I, I'm. I got it. I just uh, had to. I found a screw and I was just putting it through some cardboard. Uh, so let, we should start with attendance. Okay. Okay. Attendance. Attendance. Uh, first attendee tonight. Um, Chelyud Payne. No, I don't think there's oh. a Chelyud here. Chelyud Payne. He he is a easy inventor of um, vitamin B. He invented but vitamin B. No, 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 not vitamin B. Vitamin B. I don't know this. You oh, sure you do, uh, are you sure you don't mean vitamin B? No, 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 no. That's, that's, that's a type of vitamin with a letter B. Chelyud Payne invented bees made of vitamins. Or oh, bees with extra, they're extra vitamins in their, in their genetic makeup. So oh. he claimed that like, it was like one vitamin B was like a centrum silver. Oh, you... So, did you pop them in your mouth or did you let them sting you or? You, you basically, you, uh, you walked into a little uh, booth and uh, a little door would open and the vitamin Bs would fly in and you just open your mouth and wait for one or two vitamin Bs to like fly in and then you chew them up. Right. And uh, you also tried to market like the, uh, the legs and wings and, uh, and stingers as vitamins as well. Oh, um. This seems less fun even than uh, Flintstones chewable. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a lot buzzier. Um, yeah. He actually tried to uh, market the venom as uh, vitamin stingy. Right. But uh, it took a lot of bribes before the FDA would sign off on right. that one. Uh, anyway, he, he died of scurvy. Oh, no. Yeah, it's ironic for a guy who was all into vitamins. Apparently, yeah. the vitamin Bs... Uh, I guess the vitamin Bs just didn't fly into his mouth that much. Right. Or were they deficient in vitamin C? <laughs> they might have been. But anyway, I don't see him here. I, I mean, he's dead of scurvy. He explains a few things. You know what? I think I've mixed up the letters in the oh, children. No. Hold on a second. Uh, should be Paul Deschen. That's actually me. Oh, okay. Okay. You're here. Uh, next attendee, Dane Aramang. No Dane Aramang. Dane Aramang, the veggie thief of Topeka. That Dane Aramang. You know, I don't really keep up on Topeka crime news. Tell me about uh, it. Well, he uh, well he believed I mean, it wasn't just Topeka. He's from Topeka, but uh, he was convinced that uh, people could live on a diet of uh, breaded chicken and chocolate milk. Oh, really? Yeah. That sounds pretty uh, good. It does sound good, but uh, after a while, you can't. You know, you, you need you need you know vitamins, for example. Sure. Uh, yeah, don't worry. I'm not going to tie it into the whole vitamin B thing. And I know you're like, oh, I see the payoff coming. That's not going to happen. I'm not about payoff. I'm about frustration. Uh, anyway, so to to the end of you know believing that like that, all you needed were chicken, breaded chicken, and chocolate milk. He actually got a refrigerated truck and uh, began driving around the country, launching raids on grocery stores and stealing their produce. Really? Yeah. Uh, and he, uh, his, his slogan was "Be free of fear." Uh, he would actually drive through fields. He set fire to large swaths of California to ruin their agriculture. Yeah, he even uh, even drove up to Saskatchewan and drove through some wheat fields just to like try and 
break our dependence on uh, on the curse of vegetables. I knew none of this. No, uh, well, it was. I think I think like he had knowledge of uh, of Dan Aramang was suppressed by a consortium of fast food companies because eventually he turned against potatoes, and that that was of Ooh. course a bridge too far. Yeah. That was a vegetable too far. So it was rumored actually they had him killed. But, but anyway, yeah, he was actually killed. He drove into an apiary and he was stung to death by bees. Just regular old bees? Regular bees. See, I told you there wasn't going to be anything about vitamin bees. <laughs> no, it's true. There weren't. Damn. Uh, anyway, he's not here. Um, you That's know, sad. He died of anaphylactic shock um, and all that. Wait a minute. Just wait a second. I'm, I've made a mistake. I mixed up the letters in his name. Dane um, Gorn. Um, Aiden Morgan. That's you. Oh, okay. That's me. So I'm here. You're here. Uh, do we have quorum? We do not have quorum. Ah, okay. Well, let's go to the meeting and I'll continue to, uh, build and expand on our local infrastructure. Okay. You know, if we have good infrastructure, that could attract more attendance to our meetings. And then finally we'd get quorum. Ooh. That'd be great. And then we'd have like a tax base we could let. But then we'd have to give them a 5% tax rebate. Right. So we could tax them 5%, then we'd have to give them the rebate. Um, yeah, then we just, I don't know, make them play pickleball for our amusement. Don't joke about pickleball. Who says I'm joking? We do not want to tick off the pickleballers. That's true. That's true. They are, they are a powerful political contingent. They are. They have at least one mayoral candidate in their pocket. This is true. Do you know how I know this? How do we know this? Because there was a mayoral debate on uh, Monday this week. We finally got to see seven out of nine mayoral candidates square off uh, at the Access Chamber of Commerce mayoral debate for the uh, 2020 election. I I have to say I I was a little disappointed about one thing. What was that? Or rather two things. The two candidates I wanted to hear from the most were the ones who did not attend. Yes. Uh, I think uh, you were not alone in being disappointed by that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it was Mitchell House and uh, Deaf Dancing Bob Pierce did not show up to the debate. Uh, the last I heard, Mitchell House had declined the invitation and nobody at Access could get a hold of Deaf Dancing Bob Pierce. <laughs> and uh, a friend of mine said... Uh, I don't know why they had so much trouble. I saw him dancing in the park just today. <laughs> I was going to say, you just go to the park, uh, hang out at the graveyard, or they could just go to his YouTube channel and leave a comment. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Exactly. I don't think they tried too hard. We were talking about this before, but you didn't actually watch the debate? Uh, no, I simply followed along the live tweet marathon on Twitter just to get a sense of where, right. what the candidates and their positions were. I have to say, I'm just going to get like just a few sort of like overall sort of thoughts because I did watch the whole thing. The debate itself was actually not too bad. I actually didn't think I'd like the format, but it started with a bunch of questions that had been submitted to the chamber to ask. And then there was a middle section where the candidates got to ask each other questions. And then there was more questions to round things out. And there were opening and closing comments, all of that. The debate was moderated by John Hopkins from, he was the president, CEO of the uh, Regina Chamber of Commerce. I think it was very clearly Sandra Masters' night. She won it, I think, handily. Uh, The only, you know, the sad thing about that is that, you know, nobody was watching, really. If the vice presidential debate in the United States has no impact on the uh, American election, the mayoral debate in Regina has even less impact on our municipal election. And even less impact again on the American presidential. Well, I guess we'll find out now, won't we? I don't, That's I don't, true. That's true. I don't want to make any uh, any predictions on that. Because it was moderated by the Chamber of Commerce, though, the questions seemed a little self-selected. There were questions like, uh, what will you do to prop up business? Mm-hmm. Uh, how will you help tourism? What will you do to help the business of tourism? What will you do to help hotels? Uh, how will you help their business? Uh, it was very, very, very commerce focused. No questions on poverty. No questions on homelessness. Uh, the only question on indigenous issues was about the the frickin' John A. McDonald statue. <laughs> in, 
which so, so the one question about indigenous stuff is actually about yes exactly. <laughs> exactly so that was very disappointing the questions could have been a little bit more uh a little bit more varied and more representative of uh, the the city as a whole but the section in the middle where candidates got to ask their own questions i found uh rather interesting it was the moment where the candidates seemed the most human, we got a little bit more insight into their personality. So I've, I've pulled a couple of clips here from that section. And I thought we could listen to them now and just, you know, talk about how this went. So here's the first question and it's uh, Flagel. And he asks a question of, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to surprise you with it. Thank you very much. We're going to go to the candidate to candidate questions now. So we'll ask a number of those questions. Mr. Flagel, you can ask any candidate a question of your choosing. Perfect. Thank you. Um, this, is, um, this is my being on council for 14 years, but in the last three years, pretty much everything uh, Mr. Fougere has on his platform, I said yes to. And if I want to talk about the rail line going through a crossing ring road, tax freezes now, he's talking about it today, but for seven years he wasn't. The transit hub, his 10-year economic plan, 19 points EDR plan. Why are all of a sudden these now on your platform as yours, and yet I voted and said yes to these within the last two, three years? Mr. Fougere. Well, well these are all um, projects that came uh, during my time as mayor. The, uh, the rail lands change uh, over Ring Road was, I moved that motion for council, council agreed to that. My announcement was simply to speed up the design of that, that process. The economic vision is not my vision, it's a vision of the community. We had some very smart people around our, our community in the arts, culture, business, indigenous, come together to talk about what do you want to see for our, our city in the next 10 years? What's that vision for the future? So anybody on this, this panel is free to accept that as saying that's their vision too. I'm simply saying that I agree with it. I happen to be lucky enough to co-chair it. But I very much believe in, in the objectives of economic diversification, moving our strengths, move us forward. Uh, so for me, this is uh, anybody can use it if they'd like to. I think it's a great plan. So that was Councillor Flagel asking a question of Mayor Fougere, the incumbent in this race. I'd like to know. I mean, I, uh, I, I had, I had uh, Popeye's chicken sandwich the other day. And uh, while I was eating it, some other guy was walking by with a, another Popeye's chicken sandwich. So I got out of the car and chased after him, screaming, Hey, why are you eating a Popeye's chicken sandwich when I'm eating it? How dare you claim you're eating that chicken sandwich? It turns out, actually, he, he actually just had like a three-piece meal, and not a chicken sandwich. So I felt a moment of embarrassment. Oh, that's, that's sad. But it passed very swiftly. Did he hit yes. you, or was, was, he, was he upset? No, he, uh, he actually uh, threw his uh, three-piece combo meal at me and ran away. I, I did quite well out of the whole, the whole encounter. That's pretty good. He, uh, he was a coward, basically, and he could not stand up to my to my questions. Unlike Mayor Fougere, who stood up to uh, Councillor Flagel there, right? Well, I thought yes. I was. So I, I find I found that particular question a little odd. I'll be honest. It's well, uh, yeah. It's these guys have worked together for you know a decade and a half, right? And all of a sudden. Where is this coming from? Well, it would have made more sense if, for example, uh, Fougere had said, oh, I support, you know, the rail yard, you know, revitalization. And, and Flagel had said, aha, but you tried to vote against that. Or you, you know, that would have like that kind of sort of attack would have made more sense as opposed yeah. to Flagel saying, you, you say you, you wanted to do these things and you were part of it, but you're a part of it. And along with me, I agree with you on everything. Yeah. That's very odd. Like, why are you running if you agree with everything the other guy does? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And it definitely <laughs> felt like there was, there was a grievance there beyond mm-hmm. uh, what was spoken in the debate. And right. actually, let's, let's move on to the next question, because the next sure. questioner was Mayor Fougere. And we, yes, we, we get a little bit more. We, we dive a little bit deeper into this drama. Nice. Thank you very much, Mr. Fougere. You have the opportunity to ask somebody else a question. Well, I'd like to ask uh, Mr. Flagel a question. 
and it does center on his, on his arena. And I know he's talked about an arena downtown and that uh, initially talked about that it would be um, done by the private sector. Then he talked about the public sector. But now he's saying that he has investors lined up to do this. So I'd like to know um, who are the investors that you want to talk Why didn't you bring it forward at council when we had this discussion about uh, the rail lands? You had an opportunity to bring that forward. You could have talked about the private sector investment. So who are the investors and why didn't you bring it forward at that time? Um, thank you. If you uh, would have listened to what I said, I had of investors for the Taylor Field site. Three investors have wanted to build housing there. The stadium downtown is a three-part investment. There's investors that have decided they don't want their name disclosed at this point. The provincial government has already acknowledged um, stadium funding is available. They've said that to the uh, public, and it was on TV. And the other is the, the city has a responsibility with maybe not just the stadium, but also to rebuild other assets that we have in the downtown area that need to be addressed and need to be looked at. So I just want you to know that it's not going to be pu publicly funded. It will be private, government, and some public funding. That is, a, that is a statement that, and I didn't make that statement, but if you want to talk about it, that was the, the Taylor Field site. So that was Mayor Fougere asking Councillor Flagle a question. And uh, we're on 91.3 FM, CJTR, tuned into the community. We're the Queen City Improvement Bureau, and we're listening to clips from the May oral debate in advance of the uh, municipal election. This is about as this is about as spicy as things got with Flagel with his if you had been listening to what I was saying, Ooh, you would yeah. know. And then he goes off and rambles and rambles about mystery investors that he has who are gonna to come to our city and uh do his build, build, build for him. Well, you know, they're they're probably the same people who are going to wanna to build a parking lot mm -hmm. in Capital Point. What are we gonna call the Capital Point parking lot now, now that there's new people involved? That's what I want to know. That's actually a really good question. You know, uh, it's being built by magnetic capital. So maybe we could call it uh, the car magnet. <laughs> nice. Um, call it the Magna Carta. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. I love that. I doubt that will catch on. I, very, I will do what hash, I can. That's right. Hashtag rhymes with Magna Carta. See how this goes. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, so that was uh, Fougere uh, hitting Flagle with a question. After this, we had, this is good, this is Tony Fiacco. We had him on, uh, we had him in a meeting four years ago, when he, the last time that he ran for mayor. Uh, right. I attempted to get him back uh, to, you know, see how he's doing. I just could not make the timing work for some reason. I asked him, you know, here's a bunch of dates that you could do. And I never heard from him again. So he's a lovely man. Would have loved to have talked to him again. Uh, mm -hmm. I kept forgetting that he was at this debate. Oh. He had a fantastic tie. So there was that. Yes, but I saw the tie. Yeah. For somebody who, you know, I think some would think going into this might be one of the front runners. He left very little of an impression, in my opinion. Hmm. But here he is. He's asking a question of Sandra Masters. Thank you very much, Mr. Fiacco. You have a question to ask. Ms. Sanders, your campaign admits Regina has an infrastructure deficit, and yet you want to build a pool. A pool project estimated to cost $100 million or more. Tell me your, tell us your business case. So the pool actually, uh, when we're looking at the budget, is for $85 million. And the aquatic center that I'm speaking about is about replacing aging infrastructure. It's called the Lawson. And uh, it is crumbling. It's uh, 1975, it was opened. $85 million, 30-30-30, coming province, feds, and the city. We have 0.5% already be being set aside in a reserve for recreational funding, 10% from private in terms of fundraising for sponsorship naming rights. So, like I said, kind man, and I thought it was especially mm. kind of him in this debate to give Sandra Masters some time to talk about her business plan for this pool. Yeah, that, that, I don't think that ended up being the gotcha that uh, Tony Fiacco thought it might be. Yeah, yeah. She hadn't had a chance to bring up the fact that there is this fund that the city is putting money aside for, uh, specifically <laughs> yeah. for things like building pools. And Tony just handed her that opportunity. Nice. Uh, you're right. He's a lovely man. 
Yeah, he really, really is. Okay, last, last clip. This is Sandra Masters' turn. Thank you very much, Ms. Masters. Your question now. Oh, excellent. My question is for Mr. Jerry Flagle. Mr. Flagle, given you and the current mayor have been sitting on the same council for all of your 14 years, including the most recent term, and you've been highly critical of Mr. Fougere's performance, what will you do to improve the alignment and performance of city council if you are elected? Specifically, what can the public expect to see differently than they've seen given that you voted in alignment with the mayor the majority of the time? Uh Thank you. Uh, majority of the time, I wouldn't say that. I drank the Kool-Aid, as I said back in my press release. Um, but as of the last two, three years, I mean, there are things that we do vote together on because it further grows the city. What I plan to do is be a better leader. I'm a good leader in my way of handling this situation. I'm good at putting people together. I've built organizations. I've built ball executives that have taken Little League uh, kids to Williamsport, Pennsylvania. I've designed and put together an executive team that works in strategizing different ways. I've designed and taken over Crime Stoppers. I put a new system in place there, and within the first three months, we changed the direction of how Crime Stoppers work to make it better for the executive and for the members at large. So my building skills are quite well. And do I agree with all the things that Mr. Fougere has done? No, I don't. And that was uh, Sandra Masters asking Jerry Flagle a question. <laughs> The, Not a bad question, actually. No, and I don't think his answer was extraordinary either. Each candidate got to ask one question of somebody of their choosing. Hmm. Uh, of the, the questions that I had there, Flagel took a question, Fougere took a question, Masters took a question, Flagel took another question. Uh, Darren Bradley asked his question of uh, Jerry Flagel. Um, George Wooldridge asked his question of Sandra Masters. Jim Elliott asked his question of, I believe it was uh, Michael Fougere. It's very clear who people think are actually running in this election and have right. Flagel, yeah, so- Fougere, and Masters. And I think uh, somebody on Twitter pointed out that the questions from Fougere and Masters went to Flagel because they're each trying to eat into his support. Right. And they run the risk of you know, hurting their own support if they go head to head with each other and fail. So I, that could have been the strategy. I did, I did find it odd. I expected, I expected Fougere and Sandra to go after each other uh, and they didn't. And I was disappointed because I wanted to see that. Exactly. And I actually, I thought that Fougere would get more questions overall, but uh, the way it shook out was kind of, it was a little fascinating. Yeah. And it is, it is interesting to see all of this uh, uh, Flagel's frustration uh, coming out and Fougere's frustration with Flagel coming out <laughs> yeah. this debate. And you've seen a little bit of the tension there ever since Flagel announced his intention to run for mayor. A little bit of that's been coming out at council. It's, it's you know, it's very civil. But uh, yeah, you, you notice that there's some, there's some friction. You know, I don't... I think I said Sandra Masters won the debate. Uh, Nobody was able to make her look inexperienced. If anything, she came off looking incredibly fluent. And I think we heard that here with her Mm -hmm. answer to to Tony Fiacco's question and with the question that she had for Flagel. She clearly has been paying attention and she's studied for this event. Whereas the people who, you know, have like long histories with council, uh, Fougere and Flagel and Jim Elliott, even they sound a little bit rambly, like they're just pulling stuff out of their butt. And, um, Fougere, uh, he is not, I I don't think it's a secret to say that he's not a dynamic speaker. And, uh, that didn't do him any favors in this forum when Sandra Masters comes off as a lot more energetic. And yet she seems to project the same kind of, uh, intelligence and leadership skill, but she also has that energy. And so, you know, if anybody was watching, I think that she would come off as the, the winner. But that said, like, I mean, me personally, there every candidate there had something about them or something they said that was a deal breaker for me. I didn't come away with this thinking, okay, now I know who I'm going to vote for. All right. Uh, on the renewable city question, for instance, uh, Sandra Masters kept talking about, you know, we have to protect the 8,000 jobs in oil and gas. And uh, the uh, the mayor 
uh, talked about how he had voted against that. Jim Elliott uh, hated his shirt so much. I don't know if I can vote for him. It was his red shirt. Um, <laughs> Jim, what were you thinking? Terrible shirt. And Bradley, Bradley didn't even have a jacket. What no was jacket. It's true. Just, just if you're gonna if you're gonna be on a deb- televised debate, just put on a jacket, Bradley. Yeah. Who, Bradley. Who is Brad? I don't. Darren tell, Bradley. Tell me, tell me a little more about. The, we, we had an interview with him last week, and he's again, he's a lovely oh, okay. man. Um, but uh, yeah, he did not come uh, prepared to this debate. He didn't come prepared to tango with um, Michael Fougere, Sandra Masters, and Jerry Flagle. He didn't have the uh, he didn't have the the depth of knowledge that they did. Same goes for George Woldridge. He had a little bit more going on. Uh, we had an interview with him at the last uh, meeting. Mm-hmm. Yep. He. Uh, he had some interesting ideas, but he kept talking about the rail lines uh, and how this is a mega project that we can't afford right now moving the rail lines, which I think is a, on the list of priorities for the other candidates, it's way down at the bottom, but he was obsessed with this. So I don't think that did him any favors because he didn't seem to have much else to offer. And as I say, Tony Fiacco, he made very little impression as well. Again, nice man. But uh, he didn't do much to distinguish himself or to show himself as, uh, you know, the person that you should put your trust into. Uh, you know what? Let's, let's save it. Um, I, I have some predictions, but we're pretty much out of time for this half hour. So okay. let's just go to those, those innovative revenue tools right now. Cool. And we're back from innovative revenue tools. I never went anywhere. No. No, but I am several feet uh, built up the sides of this of the room, of the meeting room, and I feel pretty confident that within the next half hour, I will have reached that vent. I guess this is it. This is like the test case for whether or not Jerry Flagel's build our way out of anything platform works. If you can get out of the sub-basement, which has kept us trapped for five years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, using Jerry Flegel's strategy, then I think we know who we have to vote for. Right. And I should say that when, often when, when we talk, uh, we often reference uh, being outside and yeah. uh, out and about in Regina, but there's a very simple explanation for how we're trapped in here all the time and yet talk about being outside. Uh-huh. Which I have not yet thought of. Uh very good imaginations. Yes, exactly. Thank yeah. you. That's uh, yeah. That'll that'll do. That'll do just as just as well as whatever it was I was going to say. Little do people know, but there really is no Queen City. Um, all of these people, Jerry Flagel, Michael Fougere, they're all fictions. Yes, that we've invented for the purposes of this of this uh, this this radio show that we do. Yeah. And if you if you listen to the show and moved to the Queen City and you know found a job here, found love, um, made a life here, you fools, <laughs> yep. you live in a fiction. You. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have tricked you. <laughs> yeah, we do all the voices for these clips. <laughs> listen closely; and, you can tell. And when you're out and about, we are all the people that you see. We just, we've gotten really good at changing costumes. <laughs> yep. I, I got to tell you, the, the mask mandate, um, that's going to make things a lot easier for us. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so tell me about that. I, I've been kind of paying attention to, to everything else in the news except this mask mandate. So <coughs> new news today. Oh, yeah. Um, two, two pieces of news uh, across the province starting on Friday, November 6th. Uh, 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 Gatherings uh, will be reduced from 15 max to 10 max. So 10 max is, is all you can do. And uh, masks are mandatory for indoor publicly accessible spaces. And there's one really weird detail uh-huh. uh, that you're, you're supposed to wear. Masks are mandatory in, uh, in eating establishments, but they're not mandatory in places where you're eating or drinking. Also, so hang on. Mandatory in eating establishments, unless you're eating and drinking in an eating establishment. Something like that. And the other, the other weird thing. I could be wrong on that one, but on this one, I am absolutely right. 
Masks are mandatory at sporting facilities and gyms, but they're not mandatory if you're doing f- like sustained physical activity. Really? Yes. So if you're if you're just doing a really half-assed workout, you've got to wear your mask. Yeah, exactly. But if but you're as serious you, about your workout, if you're it, yeah, if you if you if you like if you're dedicated. If you're, like if you're getting, there to get jacked. To get totally swole, don't, don't put on a mask. That's great. Yeah. So I think this will really encourage people to get, to get totally pumped. Yeah. Because, you know, then you get those, those, few, those few minutes out of a mask out in public. There, there's going to be so many, like, super jacked corpses popping up around, uh, around the city. It's going to be great. Yeah, because you want to be in good shape before you get to COVID. <laughs> Exactly. You want you want the doctors intubating you and going, wow, that that person really takes good care of themselves. Except, except, for, school, except for catching get COVID. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we had an opportunity to do this last month. There was a mask mandate that motion that came to city council. Mm-hmm. And council didn't go for it. They decided, even though they brought the motion for it themselves, they decided to vote against it because numbers weren't high enough. Uh, the situation wasn't so dire that we didn't really need right. a mask mandate. And I think there was some, I think there was some, you know, like, uh, you know, they've already been burned by the province in an attempt to institute more strict measures. Right. The province was prepared to. Now this man, now this mandate is is provincial, right? This, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but only, but it only applies to uh, Saskatoon, Regina, and Prince Albert. So we're being punished, essentially. Yeah, we were having our freedoms impinged upon. I don't know what Deaf Dancing Bob Pierce is going to do. I don't know. Well, he didn't go to the debate. Um, yeah. he never got to answer a question on this. We might have to track him down at the park. Uh, yes, I mean. I mean, since he's in the park or the graveyard a lot, I, I feel I have a feeling those are two places where you don't have to wear a mask. That's a good point. And if you don't wear a mask indoors, maybe you'll end up at the graveyard anyway. But I guess the thing that I'm thinking is that if we had instituted a mask mandate or if the province had instituted a mask mandate last month when the numbers were still low, mm-hmm. they may not have gotten to this point. And That's, yeah. like, am I, am I, is my brain broken? Like this seemed like seems obvious to me. Um, and yet that's not what we did. Well, well look, Atlanta, Canada had a mask mandate since like springtime and they cut travel to the area. So right now there, it's a disaster. I think there are like several, like I think five active cases, maybe fewer. Right. But they're so, like, yeah, but how many people live in the Maritimes? I don't know. Twenty or twenty three, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Well, here's the thing. Of course, the, the the populations are comparable to here. Yeah. And they live in closer proximity to each other, all things considered. Uh, but yeah, they they managed to do it right. Uh, how about Australia? They uh, they had a local case of COVID uh, confirmed yesterday. Huh. Australia has one. Positive COVID test. New Zealand has two. <laughs> Just a lot of African countries, they have almost none. They've managed to figure this out months ago. Yeah. Yeah, but who would want to go to any of those nice warm places? Right, with, with obviously superior public health responses. Yeah. Who wants any of that? We are the birthplace of public health in Canada. <laughs> yes. And the best right now that I can think of is to say, well, at least we're not Manitoba right now. True. And I, you know, a while ago, everybody wanted to be Manitoba because they figured it was because, you know, they had done such a great job that they had virtually no cases. Turns out it's just that who goes to Manitoba? <laughs> Precisely. Hey, you know, I, I admit I like myself some Winnipeg. I, you know, I've been there once and it was wonderful. It's a good city. But then there's the rest of the province, so. I've only driven through it. Um, 
Yeah, I, I guess it's it's just it's so disappointing. And there was some rumbling that I heard during the provincial election was that uh, as soon as this election's over, the provincial government is going to institute a mask mandate. And sure enough, like the the election happened last week. And here we are, they've instituted their mask mandate. It's almost like they had to like maintain this fiction that everything was fine just until the SAS party got like another decisive majority. And then they could institute this, uh, this policy. It's, uh, uh, well, that's, that's a cynical take. Yep. But that's where, that's where I'm at, man. That's where I'm at. It seems, that seems like a thing. Yeah. But I'm glad it's in, I get it. I'm glad it's in place now. This is good. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's time. It's long overdue. So, uh, so we are the Queen City Improvement Bureau on ninety-one point three FM CJTR, tuned into the community. Uh, we were talking about mask mandates. We've got like election stuff going on. Uh, so, I, I, this is it. This is our last meeting before the election on November 9th. Whoa! Yeah. So, Decision twenty twenty. Yeah, we didn't. We should have had a sting for this. Oh yeah, some decision twenty twenty. I would have loved that because I think we are the only people. I think we might be the only people in all of media who are trying to generate any kind of excitement or interest in this municipal election. <laughs> you, you may be right. You, you, we we might be we might be the lone standard bearers for. YQR municipal election yeah. uh, for decision 2020. Yeah. It's, it's sad. Uh, uh, John Hopkins, CEO of the uh, Chamber of Commerce at the end of the mayoral debate, he ended <clears throat> on the, the message, municipal government is the level of government that touches your life the most directly and the most often. There's something almost like, there's something almost saucy about the way that Municipal government is always up in your biz. I know they're always they're always coming along, batting their eyes at you yeah. in a coquettish fashion. Yeah. Just so do you nothing. do you trim those weeds? <laughs> do you do you shovel those walks? I'd hate to have to fine you. <laughs> you know, like can you do that? And they're like, I don't even remember because <laughs> because I don't remember if they can actually find you. Yeah, they can't <laughs> anyway. actually. They really can't. Well, no, they, they can't. I mean, no. Yeah. Then, but he, and so he's right. And he's, you know, his point was, you know, you've got to get out and vote. You've got to take this seriously. And I think that's 100% true. But this municipal election has been completely uh, buried under an onslaught of other things like the provincial yeah. election, the American election, uh, COVID. Nobody's paying attention to this. Uh, I think, if I remember correctly, the voter turnout four years ago for the municipal election was 20%. I would be surprised if we hit that. Yeah, me too. And I, I would also bet you that a good 15% of whoever votes in the municipal election is Queen City Improvement Bureau uh, listeners. <laughs> that's possible. Yeah. Yes. Which is not saying anything about the turnout that's going to be showing up. That, uh, that's why we're endorsing Bell Plain for mayor. God, if she had run, I know would have endorsed. Exactly. Yeah. Or 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 any or, or Judith or Lisa of the yeah. respective uh, business improvement districts. Absolutely. Um. Yeah. So, uh, but I thought what we should end on, I guess, uh, as time is getting short, is our predictions uh, on how this is going to turn out. Oh, yes. uh, and these. We should mention these are sponsored by the Warehouse Business Improvement District. Correct. The organization that does everything in their power to make the Warehouse District more awesome. Uh, They're also uh, sponsoring our show and these predictions. So, Aiden, who do you think is going to be our next mayor? Next mayor, I give the best odds to... A soggy and broken Tickle Me Elmo doll dredged up from the bottom of Wascana Lake. And how do you think that Tickle Me Elmo doll will govern? (laughs) Well, it won't bother us with little, you know, 
Elmo noises because, of course, it'll be broken. Um, but, I, you know, I think it'll run efficient meetings. Uh, I think it'll work hard to find efficiencies that aren't absurd in City Hall. Uh, but I also think it will spearhead uh, change for renewable energy oh. and, 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 and moving a, a renewable city forward by even sooner than 2050 because Tickle Me Elmo knows that we only have one planet. And once it's gone, we're not getting another one. Uh, well, I, on the other hand, I, I don't think the Tickle Me Elmo doll has a chance. Uh, as much as I think Tickle Me Elmo's uh, ideas are fantastic, uh, everybody hates Elmo, especially in Saskatchewan. Oh. Always have. So I guess I'm, I guess I'm an urban elite out of touch with the real like, yep. electorate. Yeah, this is a big bird, a big bird province. <laughs> uh, no, I think, um, unfortunately, I have no joke candidate who I can uh, put forward. I think it's good. I think Sandra Masters is going to win it. Uh, I do think, however, the vote's going to be close. Uh, Fougere, as the incumbent, has a huge advantage, especially if, you know, just a few people show up to vote. Uh, so I think it could go either way. Uh, but yeah, I think that Sandra Masters is going to take it. I think that there is a lot of grumbling about city council right now. I think that people are looking for a place to place the blame yep. for just the discomfort of COVID. Right. And I think city hall, I think Michael Fougere is going to be the one who takes the brunt of that. I think so too. And he's, he's been on council in one form or another since 1998 uh, I have a feeling that uh, people of Regina are looking for something new, some some new point of view, some new energy, e even if I think a lot of what Masters wants is more or less what Fougere has also wanted. Uh, and perhaps uh, we, we wouldn't, I don't think we're going to get anything very substantially different, no. uh, but we will get at least a little more sort of energy and, uh, and I think coherence from, yeah. from masters. Yeah. Uh, I do, I do think it's a bit disappointing. Her 15% efficiencies plan, I think is bollocks. I'm not, I'm, oh, yeah. no. she seems very committed to it. And, uh, I think it, it, it will be just a waste of administration's time trying mm -hmm. to do this. They already have a program in place to, uh, you know, to continuously find efficiencies. This is uh, just pandering to the people who assume that city hall is all waste and mismanagement. When I think that, uh, I think, you know, that may not be the case. I think that people should spend a little bit more time talking to people who work at city hall, as opposed to uh, just assuming that their property tax dollars are being wasted as they drive down the roads that were paid for and paid. Right with their property tax dollars. But uh, I think I, I think for the number three spot, I think that it's going to be a tight race between Fiaco and Flagel. Fiaco has put a lot of money into his campaign. He's got posters everywhere. He's talking to everybody. He didn't make much of an impression on me at the uh, debate, but uh, I think for other people, he might be, uh, I think he is gregarious and he is like out in the community. Um, I think there might be a lot of people who don't even realize that Flagel is running. So Fiaco, and he's got name recognition too from his uh, brother who is mayor and beloved for being mayor. True. Uh, George Wooldridge, Jim Elliott, Darren Bradley, Mitchell House, Def Dancing Bob Pierce. I think they're going to have to look at their numbers at the end of all this and wonder why they did this. But Probably. Yeah. Uh, for council, I think everything is up in the air. Uh, the only races that I'm, uh, that I have any sort of thoughts on ward three, I think Andrew Stevens is completely safe. I don't think there's any significant challenge there and he's extremely popular. Uh, and he's been an incredibly active and productive counselor. His name's been in the media a lot. I think a lot of people know him and that's going to uh, carry him through. Uh, I am concerned about Jason Mancinelli up in Ward 9. He's 
not putting on a very strong campaign. It's been a while since I've actually uh, imagined myself up in Ward 9. But when I was there, I saw no signs for Jason. But I did see a lot of signs for Catherine Gagné, who is... Yeah, she. we've talked about her before. Board chair at uh, Regina Public Schools. And she was, you know, instrumental in that pride motion being squashed uh, last year. And that was, uh, that was a very dark moment for Regina Public Schools. It motivated a lot of people to run for uh, the public school board uh, because they want to see, you know, the LGBTQ kids protected mm-hmm. and, you know, shown that they're welcome. And they didn't appreciate the way that uh, Catherine Gagné handled that meeting. But nope. She is now running in Ward Nine. She will. She has. Uh, uh, she's. She's got a lot of support from her church. She has a lot of support from the community. I think that Jason is fighting an uphill battle, actually, because I think in a way she's the incumbent in that area. Uh, I think. Who else? I think that uh, Barb Young in Ward One. This could go either way. I think she's up against only one other person. I think one of the things that sort of splits, like you get a lot of vote splitting when you have like four or five, six people running in ward. I know a lot of them are just, you know, no names. She's up against one person, Cheryl Stadnichuk, who has the Regina District Labor Congress uh, endorsement and has been running a very uh, well-funded and campaign. I have noticed that, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that could go either way because Barb's popular in her neighborhood. Uh, she has picked up the ward boundaries changed. And so Barbara now has Lakeview, which she didn't have before in Ward 1. And I oh. think that's a constituency that will be very friendly to Barb Young. Mm-hmm. But it's also people who don't know her as their counselor, so Cheryl can pick up votes there. So right. like I say, I think it's going to be a very close race. I don't know. I can't make a prediction. Meanwhile, this one scares me. Bob Hawkins, I think, is in danger of losing Ward 2 to George Sickles. Say it isn't so. Yeah. And it's disappointing to me because I don't know George, except that he is uh, a consultant or an engineer of some sort. He seems to have a lot of uh, support, a lot of signs. Uh, He has a strong social media presence. But Bob Hawkins has taken he's made this face turn in the last, you know, the last council. He's been a Mm -hmm. strong advocate for the renewable city motion, uh, for heritage homes. Uh, and he is just, God damn it. He's dedicated to council and he's given us the best material for this program. This is true. I, I don't know what we would do without, without Bob Hawkins. I think we would, we would have to, if, if he were not on council, we would have to, just go to his house and record him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or give him the show. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> just, we quit, uh, Bob. This is yours now. That's right. He just he just wakes up. He, th- he goes to bed, but a la the prisoner, he wakes up in in the studio, and yeah. uh, and has to live there forevermore. Yeah. All right. Uh, we are pretty much out of time, and I wanted to end on something. Uh, this was mm-hmm. last week. Was the last council meeting for the council. Uh, it was very long. It went eight and a half hours uh, because they had a lot of things to get off their plate, like the renewable city motion, which they passed. It didn't. It took them like five hours to get to it, but they got to it and it passed. Uh, but it was Councillor Mike O'Donnell's final meeting. Uh, Mike O'Donnell has been my favorite city councillor for a very long time. Uh, he's been a voice of reason. I don't agree with every single thing, every vote he's ever made, but he's been one of the forces on council that's been pushing for, uh, you know, the city needs to increase its density. We cannot continue to sprawl. That's an inefficient way to build a city. He's been very strong on, uh, he ran the two infrastructure summits that we hosted. So he's been, he's been, you know, at the vanguard of a lot of sort of progressive urbanism at city council, and he is now gone. Uh, so yeah, I thought we would just, instead of music, I thought we would end on Councillor O'Donnell's last address at City Council. Let's hear it. Farewell, Mike. Uh, thanks, Mr. Mayor. If I could say a few things. Uh, first one is, um, 
to the kind people of Ward 8 who accepted me, stood by me, and allowed me to represent them for this last four elections. I'm, I'm very grateful, and I'm especially kind, uh, grateful for the very kind comments that many of them have sent my way in this last while. So to Ward 8, thank you very much. To the administration and staff of the City of Regina, I, from a very personal level, you accepted me, took me under your wing, showed me, taught me, respected me, and welcomed me. And um, I won't forget you. I think that it is a very difficult task to work in municipal life. And uh, to all of you, you have been professional. To even the people out on the workforce on the street, they've been very kind to me. And uh, again, I will not forget you. Uh, Kelsey, you've been very kind in your comments, not just to me today, but throughout, and so I'm grateful. It takes a lot of courage to put your name forward. It takes a lot of courage to run in a campaign. And to all of you, I wish you good luck. To those that are running in the election, thank you for believing in democracy and uh, looking after our community. To all of you, I wish you well. Thanks for letting me be part of it. All right. Well, I think with that, it's uh, time for us to wind this meeting down. Very well. Well, I will move to adjourn. I will second that motion. All right. Motion is passed. Meeting is adjourned. You have been listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM, CJTR, Regina Community Radio. Tune into the community. Your hosts are Paul Deschen and Aidan Morgan. Music is by Ryan Hill, a.k.a. Guidewire. Uh, we are broadcast Thursday evening, 7 to 8 p.m. and Monday afternoons, 3 to 4 p.m. Uh, you can find us uh, at cgtr.ca as well as our Twitter uh, Queen City IB and our website queencityib.com and remember that IB stands for Improvement Bureau not Irritable Bowel please stop confusing us with that uh, coming up next we've got the Nerdcore Cabaret with Maddie V followed by the cockpit and then it's music all on through the night that's all keep on improving your journey. I would like to uh, be the one to adjourn tonight, if I could. Oh, you could do that, Council Bell. Good night, Regina. I'll second that. Second. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Good night, night, everybody.